Support for AHLA and the following message comes from Glass Ratner, a national specialty advisory services firm whose healthcare team has extensive experience working with providers, health plans, and attorneys. For more information, visit glassratner.com. Hello, everyone. This is David Cade, CEO of the American Health Lawyers Association. Today, I'm with Eric Hargan, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Deputy Secretary. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, David. Good to be here. So CMS and OIG released the long-awaited Stark and anti-kickback statute proposed rules. It's been a busy summer for you. I think, indeed, it's probably been a very busy year for you. When we took a look at the regulations, a theme, themes actually sort of popped up. Innovation, flexibility, clarity, quality, transparency, and predictability. Now, there may be some other words that link to that. If I'm right, if you could take a moment and explain to the listeners, what was the driving force behind these changes and what is the department trying to do? Sure, so I think those are exactly hit on the themes that we're talking about conceptually here. This is part of the overall drive to coordinated care, which is one of the legs of value-based care. Uh, as you know, Secretary Azar has outlined some high-level uh, drives that we're engaged in here at HHS, and one of those is value-based care, uh, which is something that goes back at least two administrations, uh, back to uh, the Bush administration and the Obama administration carried forward on that. Now we are engaged in continued drive on value-based care. We see coordinated care as central to that. Uh, the ability to be able to have, uh, for the patient to have a, uh, a sort of end-to-end care within the system, we think is that's very important for us to be able to drive value in the system. Within that, we know that we have at least some regulations that may inhibit the ability for providers to provide this seamless continuum of care. Central to that are the Stark Law regulations and the anti-kickback statute regulations, which in some cases have not been revised for a very long time. And we looked at this and took a fresh look at how these regulations had arisen and what the goals were to be served. Obviously, this is not a statutory revision endeavor. It's a regulatory revision. We operate within the bounds of the law that we've been given to execute, and there's no question that we're trying to serve those goals uh, of, uh, of the laws. But we believed that there are places where the regulations could be usefully updated uh, to enable uh, a better drive towards value-based care on the part of the providers uh, and the patients. So you're right that we, we're, we, we looked at this as the changes essentially falling into three categories. First, we're creating a new set of exceptions and safe harbors that deal with value-based arrangements so that we would enable people to, even outside the context of models and ACOs, to be able to affiliate with one another in a value-based enterprise, to put down in writing I, the participants in the value-based enterprise, a target patient population, and some outcomes that they were driving towards. 
this essentially enables this to be done without everyone going under one of the existing safe harbors, some of which might involve, uh, you know, people either employing doctors or purchasing other entities. So in other words, we believe that you should be able to do this outside of a sort of consolidated entity. That's one of the, the goals here. We believe that you could put together value-based arrangements even with independent actors inside the healthcare sector. So we've enabled, in this proposal, we've enabled that. Second, we're updating some existing exceptions and safe harbors to move towards outcomes-based care and improving security and information sharing. So you'll see that we put in outcomes-based uh, changes to the existing personal services and management services safe harbor. Uh, and we've done some other things dealing with electronic health records and cybersecurity software, removing the sunset on the electronic health records donation, adding a new standalone cybersecurity software exception. Uh, and last, we're clarifying some of the basic terms and definitions in the Stark Law regulations so the healthcare providers can spend long term less money and time on compliance and have more certainty about innovating in this space. So terms like uh, commercially reasonable volume and value of referrals and um, fair market value, which are really fundamental uh, definitions that sort of radiate throughout the entire regulatory construct here. Uh, we either have done revisions or we've defined them for the first time. Yeah, it's clear that the department has taken a huge step forward in trying to make change. Um, can you share a little more about your vision to empower patients? Yeah, we, so for example, we believe that patients can uh, be reoriented out of the existing sort of hospital system driven model. That, that the patient as sort of an inpatient is something that we can, we, we want to sort of decenter that and make sure that the patient can care for themselves, which is what the patients want. And frankly, it's what the health sector wants. So for example, in the patient engagement and support uh, part of these regulations, we're now allowing the uh, people in the healthcare sector, whether it's hospitals, physicians, or whatever, to be able to provide patients with uh, uh, particular uh, tools that they can manage their care at home. So for example, if, a, uh, if a, you have a child with asthma, that you could give a caregiver an air purification system so that uh, you can possibly reduce the amount of hospitalization or returns to that. If you have a child who has an ear infection, to give the parents uh, an otoscope that ties back to the hospital's uh, system so that instead of bringing the, the child back to see whether their infection has been cured or not, the parent can put the otoscope into the child's ear, see whether there's an infection, the hospital can monitor that uh, and see that it, it is or it isn't. That reduces somebody coming in over and over again to see whether that infection has been cured. Uh, or for example, if you wanted to increase adherence to a physician, to going to the physician's office, which is a big issue because people many times, as we know, use the emergency room as a way to schedule, you know, meetings with a doctor. 
instead of going to a physician's office, uh, if a if somebody if a physician has the ability to either give parking or uh, childcare services during the time of an appointment, it increases the ability for somebody to adhere to that schedule. Uh, who has a busy life, kids, and so on. We think that inside the construct that we've set forward, we can be confident that this won't raise the issues of patient and program abuse uh, that uh, we have to remain very mindful and focused on. There's clearly a lot in the regulations and as the department has sort of laid a pathway towards improving the healthcare system, I, and I know it's, it's just a proposed rule. Uh, as you look forward though, uh, can you tell us a little bit about when you expect to see results? You know, I'm not asking you to you know, forecast when the reg will drop in final, but as you look at the innovations and the, and, and the initiatives you've put forward, when do you expect that the the larger community, the provider community, and the patient community will actually be able to benefit from from what you're proposing? Well, I think that well, first of all, we've we've given a sort of slightly longer than normal period for everybody to respond to this because of the complexity of the rules. Um, so we've sort of a 75 day comment period. It's going to end at the end of this year. We're expecting to move quickly uh, to address comments as they come in um, and hopefully come up with a, a strong proposal. I would say that we've already seen um, these kinds of creative arrangements entered into, but within the context of models and one-offs. So we've already seen these things work. That's why we're somewhat confident that allowing greater flexibility and creativity on the part of the healthcare sector is warranted because we've already seen these things operate in the limited contexts within ACOs, within the existing models, within some you know, past demonstration projects, we've seen this uh, work. So that's, what, um, that's why the Inspector General's Office and CMS were uh, able to uh, sort of creatively engage in this regulatory endeavor. They have seen this work They've seen it not be abused, and so they feel uh, that they can move forward and allow greater flexibilities across the entire healthcare sector for people to engage in this in this, these kinds of uh, value-based arrangements. And at the end of the journey, what does success look like to you? What what would you say? Um, what would you say success would be yeah, like? Well, at the highest level, obviously, what we're here about is to improve the health and well-being of Americans. That's the, you know, the very fundamental and very highest level of mission at HHS. But I believe that this can be a win-win. I believe that we can get both improved outcomes and lower costs. I think with the advance of technology, with the advance of, of innovation, both technologically and in systems, meaning in the ability of people to partner and affiliate with each other, we're going to be able to see a move away from the old modes of inpatient hospitalization, the most expensive kinds of care uh, being immediately resorted to by the public. That we're going to see the healthcare sector move away from that and into wider and, and a greater number of sites of care that we're going to be able to see patients get more and more of their care 
for themselves. That is, they're going to be able to care for themselves. They'll be able to care for themselves at home and their loved ones at home. Uh, and we're going to see a greater expansion of the ability for the healthcare sector to engage in that outside of the old-fashioned uh, inpatient hospital system. I believe the healthcare sector is moving that way anyway. It already has. Uh, we were going to have to engage in this regulatory reform endeavor at some point. Uh, we would have to do it if, you know, why wait five or ten years? for us to see this carried out when we already knew the results of this kind of new value-based care was already instantiated in a lot of our existing models. We knew we'd have to do this regulatory reform at some point, so we might as well do it now. Well, I appreciate your vision for the future and the way you've articulated it. It does seem like it will be bright. Um, before we close, I, I just want to have one last question with you today. Um, Referencing the regulations, you were quoted yesterday as saying that the regulations are part of a much broader effort to update reform and cut back our regulations to allow innovation toward a more affordable, high-quality, value-based healthcare system while maintaining the important protections patients need. Yes. Your quote started out by saying they are part of a much broader effort to update, so it suggests to me that there's more coming. So oh, yeah. what's next? What so, do you have in the queue? Exactly. So, you know, this, this is parts two and three of a four-part regulatory sprint to coordinated care that I have uh, led out of my office. First part was 42 CFR part two uh, regulations. So we've done reform on that for substance use disorder um, and the privacy statute. Two and three are dealing with um, the Stark law and the anti-kickback statute regulations. Part four is HIPAA. Uh, I was just looking uh, right before I left to announce this in Minneapolis. I was looking at our uh, our proposals internally on HIPAA. So we're going to be dealing with HIPAA, which is one of the thornier statutes. It's not only the regulatory sprint, though. We're moving forward on all kinds of payment reforms, as I'm sure you've seen, that are very complementary to what we're doing on this underlying regulatory reform. What we're trying to do is have a suite of reforms that establish a platform for moving forward on value-based care. And the regulatory sprint to coordinate care, which, as I said, is 42 CFR Part 2, Stark Law, Anti-Kickback Statute, and HIPAA, is, I think, central to that regulatory reform effort. But it does include uh, a lot, a complementary suite of payment reforms that we're doing, the models that are being announced, uh, sort of a host of initiatives that we're doing to kind of liberate the healthcare sector uh, in this country and provide greater value. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you for joining us today. And for everyone listening to this podcast, um, it's time to get busy. The comment period is now open. Absolutely, David. And we look forward to that. I mean, we got a huge number of thoughtful com comments uh, in the request for information that we did for these two regulations. And, you know, because of the complexity, Depending on the pagination, it could be about 800 pages between the two regulations. So we are very much looking forward to seeing what the community, the legal community, and the healthcare bar has to say about these. We have, we've got really good people looking at these things, but uh, we also know this was a very complex endeavor to weave together two different laws, regulations, 
with two different agencies here at HHS. So we definitely need the input and the uh, commentary from uh, stakeholders to make sure that this what we've done here is is tight and is uh, very sound. Well, we will we will do what we can to amplify that message. I know you know as you as you know when we work together, it's important for the public. Um, to share their voice, uh, their yeah. recommendations, their concerns. So we will definitely do what we can to amplify uh, the point that the department is very interested in getting comments uh, from everyone impacted by the regulation. And yep. when folks are able to comment, you will end up with a better product at the end of the day. Um, so I definitely share that and we will amplify that. Thank you, David. Again, thank you, Eric, for joining us today. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye now.